are going to take the next several weeks and pick out some Proverbs and try to learn from them, just most of them a verse or two at a time. And so tonight we'll begin that search in the 10th chapter of Proverbs in the 20th and the 21st verses. Proverbs 10, 20 and 21. Solomon writes, The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of understanding. Father, we pray that tonight you would make us not like the fools who die for lack of understanding, that you would help us to gain a heart of wisdom. Help us understand what you are saying to us. Help us understand what you're like. Help us understand your son and see him even from Proverbs 10. And help us see what you would have us be and do. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase, he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Or she was born with a silver spoon in her mouth. It refers to someone usually who comes from a wealthy family. Someone who grew up perhaps going to all the best schools and having all the best clothes. Maybe things came naturally to them and it seemed like they never had to work hard for anything. Uh, Someone who perhaps coasted into adulthood on daddy's money. All those things. We've all seen that story and known that person, And there are pluses there and there are minuses there, of course. But I think we all understand the phrase and know where uh, it comes from. Born with a silver spoon in her mouth. Well, Solomon, in these two verses, is reminding us that everyone who is righteous, everyone who is a, a Christian, everyone who belongs to God, everyone who has been born again, has been born again with a silver spoon in his or her mouth. If you've been born again, then you were born again with a silver spoon in your mouth. Only this silver spoon faces the opposite direction of the one that we normally think of. The the silver spoon in the mouth of the righteous is not the spoon that goes in and makes life easy or makes us wealthy and so on. The silver spoon that's in the mouth of the righteous, Solomon tells us, comes out so that it may feed others, verse 21, so that it may make others rich, so that it may encourage others, so that it may bring others to God. And so just right off the top, reading what Solomon says, the tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. The lips of the righteous feed many. Just right off the top, we can say that one way to tell if you're a righteous person and not a wicked person whose heart is worth little. One way to tell if you're a righteous person, if you're born again, if you're right with God, is if your tongue is like a silver spoon that feeds others, that helps others, that brings others to God. He doesn't say the tongue of the righteous can be silver or that the lips of the righteous can feed many. It says that the lips of the righteous feed many. It's not a possibility, it's a reality. And so if you are righteous, if you belong to God, it should be a reality. It should be clear that you have these kinds of silver lips. 
a silver spoon coming out of your mouth, feeding, helping others. And I think as Solomon describes this to us, he wants us to picture tonight a dining room table spread with all the fixings. You'll see that he talks about silver in verse 20, and then in verse 21 he talks about feeding, about eating. And I think the picture he has in mind is is a table, perhaps you can imagine it, with a linen tablecloth and a candelabra and goblets and all those things, and then silver utensils spread all across the table. That's what he's picturing. That's what the Christian's mouth and life are to be like. And he would have us notice, Solomon would, three things, I think, in particular. Three items to notice in these two verses. First, as Solomon paints the scene, the dining room scene for us, notice the silverware. Notice the silverware. What is described in verse 20 as choice silver? Well, it's the tongue of the righteous. And what utensils in verse 21 are being used to feed many? The lips of the righteous. So Solomon is envisioning a dining room scene with all sorts of silver utensils. The silver utensils, the silverware that is being used at this meal to feed people is the believer's tongue and the believer's lips, his mouth, his words. The tongue of the righteous is his choice silver, he says. The tongue of the righteous, if you want to picture it, is like a choice silver platter on which the meat of truth is served up to many. The tongue of the righteous is like a choice silver goblet in which the wine of gladness is placed in the hands of many. The tongue of the righteous is as a choice silver fork which places the bread of life on the hungry lips of many. That's what he's saying. It is the tongue of the righteous and the lips of the righteous that are the silverware at God's banquet that Solomon is envisioning for us. What he is saying is, as God serves up his truth, his hope, his gospel, his law, his promises, his corrections, his encouragements, as God serves these things up, he does not write them into the clouds and he does not feed them to people by the lips or hands of angels. God has placed his truth, his hope, his gospel, his law, his correction, his promises, his encouragement. He's placed all these things in the pantry of the Holy Scriptures and then he has specifically designed the lips and tongues of his people to be the silverware to spoon these things out to the masses. He's designed your lips and my lips to be the utensils that placed this bread of life into the mouths of hungry people. It's our lips and our tongues that he's designed to feed many. And you can understand why that would be the case. Think of your unbelieving friends. Most of them don't even realize that they're hungry. Or if they realize they're hungry, they don't know what they're hungry for. And so they pursue fulfillment and all sorts of other things. And you've watched them and you've said, if only they could understand that God would satisfy that hunger. Well, they aren't aware that it's God that they're missing. They aren't aware of why they're hungry or sometimes even that they're hungry. They don't know that they need to be fed and they don't know what they need to be fed. And even if they do realize that they need to be fed on God and His Word, they don't know how to feed themselves. You must be the silverware, Solomon is saying. You must hold out the bread of life and place it on their lips. 
You must encourage them to taste and see that the Lord is good. You must be the one to help them get the food into their mouths. In other words, to explain the scriptures and their message so that they can digest it and understand it and take it in, eat it. And even as believers, we understand this idea that we need help eating. Even as believers, we understand that we need other believers to be like silver spoons placing God's word in our mouth. We need other people to help us eat, other people to feed us. That's why God in Ephesians 4 tells us he's given pastors and teachers, elders and so on. Your Sunday school teacher, your elders, your pastors are your silverware. We're your goblets. We are the platters placed on the dining room table of your souls so that you can eat freely of this word of God's wisdom. So take advantage of us. Pick up the silverware that we are and let us place the food on your lips. But the main message tonight is that you offer yourself as a silver spoon to be of use to someone else. That you place the food on someone else's lips. And then notice also while we're thinking about the silverware that Solomon says that the tongue of the righteous is as choice silver. Choice silver. He uses that adjective intentionally to remind us very simply of the value of this silver. Of the value of having a faithful friend or a Sunday school teacher or a mother or a father or an elder or a pastor. The value of having someone who holds out the bread of life to you. That's valuable, he says. That tongue, those lips are like choice silver. Not just like normal silver that's got all the black stains all over it, but silver that's been polished, silver that's been smelted the right way so that all the junk is gone. It's valuable to have someone to help you, whoever it may be. And so I just ask you tonight, how much do you value the person who first shared Jesus with you? Maybe you heard about Jesus all your life and you can't remember who it was. Well, how much then do you value your parents who brought you up that way? How much do you value those people who shared Jesus with you? Or those people who nurtured your faith when you were a child? Or that person who was there with the Bible open and the promises on his or her lips in the day of your darkest trial? How much do you value that person? Can you picture somebody in your mind right now that's been such a help to you as they've opened God's Word to you? I hope you value that more than a whole cabinet full of silver. That's what Solomon is saying. Those lips are like choice silver. And then the question is, don't you want to be of that kind of value to someone in your life? Not so that they can remember you and clap their hands for you, but don't you want someone to be able to say, she was there with God's Word. He was there with God's Word when I needed it so badly. If so, then make sure that your tongue is as choice silver. Make sure that you feed many. So that's the silverware. The silverware is the lips, the tongue of the righteous, serving up the food. But second, notice the supper. The supper. What exactly are we to be feeding people in verse 21? We're certainly feeding. We're using the silver to feed there. But what are we feeding? Well, we've been assuming, I've been assuming anyway, that the food that verse 21 is speaking of, the supper that Solomon envisions in this dining room scene, is the Word of God. His truth, His gospel, His promises, His correction, His encouragements, His Word. I've been assuming that. 
And the reason for that assumption, I hope, is clear. Because the feeding that Solomon describes, the feeding that the righteous do, is done not with their hands, not with their microwaves, not with their grills or their ovens. The feeding that the righteous do is done with their tongues and their lips. So it's obviously not physical food that we are to feed the many, though there is a place for that, but that's not what he's speaking of here. We're not actually feeding people physical food in verse 21. We're feeding them something that can be given out with our tongues and with our lips. And so I've been surmising that if we're going to use our lips and our tongues to feed many, surely what we would be feeding them is that which comes off the lip and and tongue, which is words. And if we're going to be feeding people with words, then surely the precise words that we'd want to feed them with are God's words. And so the logical conclusion when you think about verse 21 is that the food that Solomon is thinking of, the supper that he envisions, is the word of God. The silverware is the tongue of the believer. The supper, the food, is the word of God. And I think you'll find that the rest of the scripture supports that conclusion. Because the rest of the scripture uses quite often the metaphor of food to describe God's word. And we, we pick that up in our own common language. We, we call our little booklets out there the daily bread. It's a, a portion of God's word given to us like food. But when you turn to the Bible, you find that God's word is described in Psalm 119, for instance, as honey. Honey, sweeter than honey, in fact. God's word in 1 Peter 2 is described as pure milk. Milk which we should long for like newborn babies. In Hebrews chapter 5, God's word is described as solid meat that needs to be digested by the mature. Meat, milk, honey, all these things. And then you remember Jesus, when he's being tempted in the desert, compares God's word to the greatest staple, the most important staple in a Middle Eastern person's life. When he says to Satan, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And obviously what he means is that God's word is like bread, only even more important. We need bread, physical bread to live physically, but we don't just need to live physically and therefore we don't live by bread alone. We live by a greater bread, a spiritual bread, namely those words which are spoken from the mouth of God. That's in Matthew 4. So the Bible is pure, sweet, solid, staple food is what the scriptural authors are telling us. Now, can you think of anyone in your life who needs, for instance, the sweet honey of God's Word? Someone who's depressed? Someone who's discouraged? Someone who perhaps thinks that they've sinned their way beyond God's forgiveness? Is there anyone for whom you could be a silver spoon dipped into the honey jar of Scripture, twisted around a few times, and then pulled out dripping with the sweetness of Jesus? Do you know anybody who needs the honey of God's word? Do you know anybody who needs the pure milk of God's word? Someone who just needs to hear the simple gospel. Perhaps someone who's religious and thinks that they've got to do lots of things to serve God. Or perhaps someone who knows that they're a sinner and who doesn't know if there's any answer for them. Someone 
who just needs the simple gospel, the pure milk of the word, the simple thing. And could you be a silver chalice for them, pouring the pure milk of God's word like a mother into a newborn baby's mouth? Could you help them that way? Do you know someone who needs consistent, regular study of the Scripture? Someone who needs their daily or weekly bread? Maybe it's your children and, and, and you need to teach them how to read God's Word or read it with them. Maybe it's a co-worker who wants to read the Bible but doesn't know how, or a friend, or your wife, or whoever it may be. Is there someone for whom you could be a silver platter daily or weekly serving up the bread of life to them? Just in small portions. You don't have to preach a sermon to them, but just saying, let's read the Bible together. Let's get together on Mondays at lunch and we'll read through the book of Mark together. Or let's, let's get together in my home on Thursday nights and we'll read through the book of John together. Or let's, as a family, make sure that we gather around God's Word each night and read it together so that we have daily bread. Someone like that for you? Will you be the silverware that serves up God's Word to them? So again, the supper that God and Solomon have in mind in Proverbs 10 is His Word. But then we need to get even more specific than that. And we need to say that the supper that God has in mind, especially, particularly, is His Word about His Son. If we think about the food that we need, we think of God's Word. It's like honey, it's like pure milk, it's like solid meat, it's like daily bread. But specifically, do you remember what Jesus told the crowds in John chapter 6? He said, I am the bread of life, and he who comes to me will not hunger. And do you remember what he said at the Lord's Supper? Handing the disciples a piece of bread, he said, this bread is my body, broken for you. And then he handed them a cup. Maybe it was a silver chalice. Maybe it was some other kind of chalice. But the picture is there, isn't it? He hands them a cup and said, This cup, this wine is the new covenant in my blood. And he was saying to them, My broken body and my shed blood are going to be your sustenance. This is what you need in order to live. And so when we think about the food that Solomon has in mind in verse 21, when we think about the food that God has in mind, it is the Word of God. And we're correct to say that. But the Word of God, let us not forget, is all about the Son of God. He is the central character, isn't He? The Word of God from beginning to end describes Him, if you have eyes to see. His deity, His incarnation, His sinless life, His love for sinners, His death on our behalf, His resurrection on our behalf, His intercession for us on high, His soon coming. All of these things are found all throughout the Old and the New Testament. And so if we're going to feed many, and if we're going to feed many with God's Word, we must not fail to major on God's Son, who is the main course of the meal, who is the bread who came down out of heaven. So we're to feed people God's Word about God's Son. And that means that we need to get practical. I want to give you some practical reminders. If you're going to feed people God's Word about God's Son, that means first you need to know the Gospel, don't you? You need to know the gospel inside and out. You need to be able to say to someone, here's everything that you need to know in order to be right with God. 
quickly enough. You need to know the gospel and be able to explain it very clearly and simply to people, but you need to be able to do so with scriptural supports. And that means that all of us should be able to sit down and in just a few minutes tell someone from the beginning to the end what God is like and what the problem is between God and man and how it came and how God has created a remedy for that problem and sending his son and what we have to do about it and then tell them where it's found in the scriptures. We should all be able to do that. If not, if you can't do that, then work at it and ask God to help you. And also we need to just be in the Bible ourselves for our own soul's benefit, but also so that when we come across someone who needs encouragement or who needs correction or who needs whatever it may be, we have a word for them in season. You're not always going to have a chance with someone time-wise or otherwise to give them the full gospel presentation, to walk them through the Romans road. Your friend calls you and says, I found out that I've got cancer. You're not going to say, well, let me take you through this little tract that I have. But you're going to need to say something to them from God's word. A word in season, and that means you have to be in the Bible yourself. Another practical hint is that just when you go to the hospital to visit the person or when you schedule the lunch hoping that it might provide a gospel opportunity or when you go to the ball game hoping that you might get to talk about the things of God with that person, just bring your Bible with you. Get yourself a little pocket testament and bring it with you so that you can show them what God says and then just be intentional about Jesus. And we all the, all the time, I'm sure, have conversations with people about this, that, and the other thing. Well, our church believes so-and-so, and we do this, and we think that, and all that can be good. But if you're having the discussion about whatever it may be in the Bible, our job and our privilege is to say, now let's talk about how that gets us back to Jesus. Remember, it's all about Him. And you can do that if you consistently study on your own. Just an example of that, we're reading through a a kid's Bible in our family worship times, and we're on Joseph right now. And so we read uh, the last couple of nights about Joseph and how he was sold into slavery by his brothers and so on. And and we just read the story. And we can read the story and just say, well, isn't that an interesting story? And we can read the story and say, well, God worked all things together for good, and that's true. But we can read the story and say, it's interesting. We can read it and say, God worked all things together for good. And then we can say, isn't this interesting? Jesus was sold, or excuse me, Joseph was sold into slavery for silver, but God intended him to be sold just like he was so that he could actually be ready to save the people. Does that sound like anybody you know? Is there anybody else in the Bible who was sold for silver so that they would be ready to rescue the people? Yes, it's Jesus. And that's how we have to learn how to think as we talk about the Bible with people. And then a final word about the supper that Solomon envisions. It is the word of God about the Son of God. And then Solomon wants to remind us too of this supper's value, this food's value. Remember, he says it's being served on choice silver. Not on paper plates, not on regular dinner plates, on choice silver. I don't know how many of you actually own real silver flatware or some kind of fine china. But if you do own something like that, I bet you don't use it when you serve fish sticks and tater tots and Pepsi. Right? When you bring out the silver and the china, what's when you're going to have filet mignon and these little stuffed mushrooms and honey-drenched carrots and key lime pie and all of those things? 
That's when you get out the china. The value of the silverware and the dishes reflects the value of the food, doesn't it? And so it is in Proverbs 10. This food that is being served up on choice silver must be choice food. And that's the point, really. It's not that our lips and our tongues are innately choice silver or that everything that we ever say is going to be profound and helpful and valuable and memorable. That's not true, and it doesn't need to be true. But when the meal we are serving up is the Word of God, about the Son of God, then our tongues really become like fine china, like choice silver. Then we become really helpful. So there's nothing wrong with fish sticks. But let's make sure that we don't only talk to our friends about the game and the weather and the kids and so on. Let's make sure that we get out the fine china and the real silver as often as we can. So the silverware, the lips and tongues of God's people, the supper, which is the word of God about the Son of God, and then thirdly, finally, notice the stakes. The stakes. Not the stakes like T-bone stakes, but the stakes, S-T-A-K-E-S. In other words, what is at stake in this passage? What is at stake if our tongues are not choice silver and if our lips do not feed many. Well, we've already said that if our tongues are not choice silver and our lips do not feed many, then we should wonder if we're among the righteous. So that's at stake. But then verse 21b has something very interesting to say to us. Verse 21b tells us that fools die for lack of understanding. Fools die for lack of understanding. And what that is, in short, is a rebuke of the fool who decides there's this wonderful food out there and I don't want it. Matthew Henry, the old commentator, has it right. He says, while the righteous feed others, fools starve themselves. The righteous feed themselves and feed others. Fools starve themselves. They don't want understanding. So if you are a fool, in other words, you're not even going to feed yourself, much less feed anyone else. And he says, fools perish because of that. They perish because they don't feed themselves on God's word. And that means that what may be at stake for some of us is our own souls. If we don't have understanding, if we don't seek it, our own souls are at stake because fools die for lack of understanding. But something else is at stake here. Something at stake for the believer. Something at stake for the person who is feeding his own soul. There's something at stake not only when fools don't feed themselves, but there's also something at stake when the righteous don't feed others. There's something at stake if our tongues are not as choice silver or if our lips are not feeding many. And I want you to see what it is by reading verse 21b again. Why do fools perish? Why do fools die? For lack of understanding. Or your version may say for lack of wisdom. The literal word there for understanding or wisdom is heart. Fools die because they don't take God's word to heart. But how will they ever get understanding? How will they ever take God's word to heart unless someone like you feeds it to them? Unless someone like me puts the word on the spoon of my tongue 
and dishes it out to them and serves it to them. You see what the stakes are and how high they are in Proverbs 10? Without understanding, Solomon says, without wisdom, without the pure milk of the word of God, and without Jesus, the bread come down from heaven, people die and go to an eternity of torment where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Hell is a consistent rotting and a consistent burning of our flesh, Jesus says. And people die and go to that hell because they don't understand. They don't feed on God's word. And I realize that by calling them fools here, Solomon is emphasizing the fact that when someone dies for lack of understanding, it's his own fault. If your neighbor or your co-worker or your children reject God, it's their own fault ultimately. But that didn't stop someone from coming to us and feeding us. That didn't stop someone from being a silver spoon to us when we, in our ignorance, were rejecting God. And it was our own fault, did it? So fools die for lack of understanding, yes. Fools die and it's their own fault, yes. But how will they understand? How will they change their mind unless someone explains the message to them? How will they eat without silverware? How will they eat unless someone, verse 21a, feeds them? Or as Paul says, how will they hear without a preacher? Those are the stakes tonight. People are dying and going to eternal torment without Christ, without the bread of life. Will you be the one like a choice silver spoon to pick up the word of God and feed it to them? Now a final word of application. The proverb tells us that the lips of the righteous feed many. They feed many. And I don't doubt if you belong to Jesus that that will be true of you. That over the course of your life, you will feed many different people God's Word at many different times and in many different ways. But the many that will be fed, that many is invariably made up of a bunch of individuals, isn't it? The many is made up of people for whom at a specific point in your life God gave you a burden. The many is made up of people with whom at a specific point in your life God gave you an opportunity. So the many that you will feed is really a long succession of individuals. And so the application tonight is simply, who is that individual in your life right now in August of 2009? Is there anyone particular that God has been laying on your heart in the last days or even tonight? Someone that perhaps you need to schedule a lunch with, someone perhaps you need to write a letter to or send a book to, someone you could invite to church, someone with whom you could share your testimony, someone for whom you could do any number of these things, all of them, so that you might be able to tell this person about Jesus, so that you might be able to feed them with the bread of life. Maybe for you it's a person who's so hard that they won't let you do any of these things. And you need to pray for them and ask God for an opening. Who is it for you tonight? And would you start just now by praying for them? And then would you seek out an opportunity soon to be a silver spoon for him or her? 
to feed the bread of life to him or her, to put the bread that's come down from heaven on his lips or her lips. The tongue of the righteous is as choice silver, and the lips of the righteous feed many.